All right, we're back in the building. It's the State of the Browns. It's bye week time. We're gearing up for Thanksgiving next week. It's time to come back. Wow, guys. Four weeks have passed. Um, I guess I should introduce. I'm joined by Kevin uh, again, and uh, we got Farky back in the building here for this one. So it's a little three-man pod tonight. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's going on, guys? Excited. Hugh's gone. Couldn't be more excited. I heard a glass cling. I heard some alcohol probably poured in. Uh, hopefully, you're not wasting it on the floor for Hugh or Haley. Both those clowns are gone. We got two-thirds of the triumphant of shit out. And uh, that third, I'll say this, and we said this with the other pods, of the three, the guy that had maybe had us, I'm not saying eating crow, but had came around on us a little bit at the very least is one Greg Williams. The players responded. We got a big convincing dominating win against a decent Atlanta Falcon squad this past week. Um, you know, maybe right out of the gate, Kev, your takeaway. So I was at Kansas city, not, not that being at the game matters, but the first thing that jumped off to me, two things once one was the players, the players looked more ready, obviously. And then the second thing is this isn't even a debate. This is science, Right. Less penalties. Everybody talks about the the Hugh defenders talked about how and what irritated me so much is they go, well, they they set him up to lose and then they didn't give him a chance to win. That's false. They set him up to lose in year one, which then translated to year two, which he was supposed to progress, which he didn't do. And then in year three. He continued to lose, and the players continued to make the same mistakes with better talent, with all the things that he should have been out of or should have been out of the way in years one and two. So the the people, the Hugh defenders, it's absolutely a fallacy when they say that it wasn't fair that he didn't get the chance because he one hundred percent had the chance. Fargy. So uh, how how do you want to take this angle? Do you want to, do you want to? hammer Hugh for what he is and what he did or just <laughs> because I, I won't waste my time on that. Um, what I'll say, I think the biggest difference is, and before I get into that, I'll revert back to Greg Williams comment. Yeah. I, I would say subtly he's eating us, make, eat, make us eat crow. I don't think he personally has done a, as much for the, the change in culture as the fact that he was gone. So He's a benefactor. Of I'll that, say this. We're plucking some feathers, but we're not exactly boiling water yet. No, because we we were dogging him more than we were even Haley heading into the season. So um, at least on a couple chats in a pot. But regarding Hugh and, you know, his exit from the from the organization, I, I look at Jarvis Landry, OK, and he's he's a big enough professional that he's not going to say anything abrasive about his head coach. He's, he's not that stupid. He's not Odell Beckham Jr. Any of those guys. But when you're when your number one leader, biggest, most vocal seasoned leader on the team, um, you know, clearly doesn't respect what culture that coach is creating within the organization. Right. There's a great example of how you're never going to you're never going to succeed. So, you know, for him to have to stand in meetings and have also have his offense coordinator, Haley, complain about, you know, guys getting days off and Hugh vehemently defending it as part of their process. And, you know, guys not working hard and taking plays off in practice like that's all gone now. I think for the most part, that's the biggest change for me is that now you can let your leaders vocally lead. 
Well, you guys know where where my take is. Uh, first of all, the first year was not as bad as Hugh makes it out to be. Framing, we didn't have players. He, we should have won three games that year. Um, we didn't win. We won one. Um, and then last year, we should have won at least two games last year uh, that were strictly because Hughes totally inept uh, and, and didn't understand what the hell he was doing on the sidelines. You can make a case there's probably another one or two. We had Josh McCown year one, and then, okay, we didn't want to bring him back, but I don't think it was an endorsement of Hugh. I think you learn everything from Hugh what he did after. A week later, he doesn't really thank the fans. He does an interview with Mary Kay, and then he goes on ESPN. He frames everything and then changes it the day after once he realizes the headlines were so negative towards him. He said he loved Wentz and all these guys, and yet there's all this on the record that he didn't love these these guys. Um, and and it's just he's a total revisionist history. And it's I'm so glad he's in Cincinnati because he's going to be running that team in two years. And they're going to frame it however they want to frame it. That team's old. It's dying out. It doesn't matter what they're going to do. The Browns are on the come up. I'm finally done with you, but I'm going to enjoy the hell out of the fact that he's going to get some level of a job again, and we're going to beat that ass when we play him. It's it's the best situation he could have gone to is Cincinnati for us as Browns fans that hate him. In my opinion. A hundred. The only other thing would be Baltimore or something along those lines. So yeah, but uh, he, has, he has a better roster in Baltimore, so I, I wouldn't want to see that happen. So uh, we touched on the coaching point of view the last four weeks, but obviously the next thing is you know from where we were, Baker. Um, guys, what's your thoughts? You want me to go, Farky? Go ahead, Kev. Okay, so here's my thing about Baker, and I don't know. I I talked to. Jason about this off the pod and I'm not sure if I touched on it last time we talked about it but the non and and again this is maybe a little bit of an arrogant point of view and I'm not saying I'm a pro athlete by any means but the thing about Baker that people don't understand is the internal fire okay I don't care that he was the number one pick everybody told him he shouldn't have been the number one pick Texas Tech, walk on, had to transfer, all the things that he's had to overcome. I think there's an internal fire for every LeBron James who's just way better than everybody. There's always a guy who's just way better, and that works out for them, right? But if you look at some of the greatest athletes of our time, and I don't care who it is, I'll, I'll stick with football just because it's easy and we're comparing Baker to them. Brady, six-round pick. Ben, Big Ben, uh, Miami, Ohio. People said he shouldn't have been drafted where he was. Aaron Rodgers in the green room, 19, 20 picks until he gets picked. Um, Drew Brees, second-round pick. Everybody, there, there always is something that's in the internal fire. I want guys, and again, I coach at a small level. I coach at the high school level played college, but been around guys, the best players that I have always been against or played against or played with, they always had something that was negative that they had to beat out. And you look at Josh Rosen. What What's the adversity that Josh Rosen has had to overcome? I don't know. Maybe a few concussions, right? But other than that, everybody, he went to UCLA, you know, high, highly recruited. Um, 
and I'm just going on this draft. Well, I would um, say for Rosen, it's he actually in the pros he gets like this bitch label. So it actually is one thing that can kind of fuel him is like, you know, I don't want to. I mean, Roethlisberger's a little bit that way. Now he different type of intangibles, but he's gotten this like he's a douchebag. So sometimes you can kind of pivot that and use Sean, that to that, your benefit. Yeah, but that was at the pro level. What right. got them there? Nothing, Sean. I mean, what did Rosen? What was his adversity before he got to the pros? Well, I'm just thinking about like, Rosen is he's just so talented as a thrower. Like it's a little like Trevor Bauer, where he's got to figure it out and take some lumps. And does he persevere and push through it? Because he is kind of this quirky intellectual, or very kind of strategically, you know, thinking it with how he approaches his particular sport. But I, I think it's a fair I, I point. Think, I think the growth, the gro- to get there. Baker Mayfield's a better was point never with Darnold, guy. actually. I think it's a much better point with Darnold. Well, I was gonna go all three. I mean, Josh Allen, yeah, he's from a small school, but he's the he's got the size, the intangibles, throwing the ball 80 yards in the air, blah, blah, blah. Baker doesn't have any of that according to the Colin Cowards of the world. And so he wants to pick on what? That he grabbed his crotch, or that he did this, or he did that. But part of the reason that he grabbed his crotch is the reason that he's where he's at. And that's what they're not equating. The reason that he grabbed his crotch is because he's so pissed off. He planted a flag. He's so mad and he wants to defend his teammates so much. And he's such a leader that he goes and does maybe some stuff that's over the top. But I promise you, anybody that's ever been around Baker Mayfield will swear by him as a teammate. That's, That's the true. consensus. And those are the things that we talked about when we were going through the draft pod, and, and it's all gleaming right now. And I agree with Kevin, uh, you know, in the aspect that a lot of those guys have some type of fire burning inside them. I don't think it's necessarily it has to be a negative because you could take examples of guys that were drafted in the top three that came from big schools and had Hall of Fame careers. But I will say this, any anyone that will be successful and that will do really well has a burning desire to be really good, whether it's, you know, Baker Mayfield's always been, you know, hasn't been quite the guy or Drew Brees was too short or Aaron Rodgers was picked 21 or whatever it is, um, negative or positive. These guys have a burning desire to be really good. And Baker has that. Uh, The thing that really impresses me about him which we, we all know the Monday Night Man gave us a plenty of uh, film and everything on this, is that he makes the throw. He's really good mechanically, yeah. <laughs> physically. Um, he might not be as, as tall as people want him to be, but as far as arm strength, accuracy, he makes all the physical plays too, which is awesome. So that that's my big, I guess, take for him at this point. We all knew he was a great leader. Yeah, I, and and what I'll say is everybody wanted Johnny Manziel to be this guy, but Johnny Manziel was more worried about partying and having fun, even in college. Baker's just all about, like, he wants to do all the field stuff, and then all that other stuff he does just as a luxury, it's not flipped around like it was priority-wise with Johnny. So, the, the you know, the grossies of the world and all these guys that had these angles saying the similarities because of stature or something, like Baker's a brick shithouse because he's in the weight room busting his ass when he's out of practice. He's not partying, and then he'll lift and work out when it's convenient. So, I mean, when you look at it from, from a point of view – 
Baker's the real deal when it comes to those things. And even in the games, the Tampa and some of these others where he struggled and we get through this kind of post-Haley, Hugh Jackson nonsense, it's going to be fascinating over the next four weeks to see how he goes about his business, how he comes back from the bye week, and just kind of what he uses to build upon things because the teammates are receptive. I mean, we're going to tweet out a mic'd up version uh, probably when this pod posts tomorrow, Friday. Um, but, you know, the NFL.com clips of him for four and a half minutes and Orson Charles is coming up to him. He's talking to to Treader on the sideline. He celebrate with his teammates. Like, you just see the response of things. And the crowd feeds on it. His teammates feed on it. I think, like, there's a hell of a lot to look forward to. And I don't even care if all the stats don't line up yet. This guy's been legit. And, you know, the sky is the limit for, for where the Browns can go. As long as they make the right offensive hire as a head coach, and then on top of it, they got to add one other playmaker on the outside, preferably. And, and they've started to kind of settle out the line. But, you know, is this just more scheme or is it something that'll last? So, uh, some things obviously to watch the next four weeks. We're not worrying about playoffs, but definitely we want to see progress. Hey, I'll say another thing too. He he makes all the throws and he's got the arm strength and and obviously the poise and, and to run the offense. But for maybe the five people that will listen to this that don't necessarily focus on anything other than him when when the play is being run, he is. I would guess I'm just throwing a number out. He has to be in the top ten in the NFL in hurried or pressured situations. He makes these plays constantly under pressure. Yeah, well, I mean the touchdown throw to be honest, is is awesome. Yeah, He busts out of the pocket, rolls right, and he throws a ball that easily can be picked from how his body is torqued and where and how he's throwing it, but he leads it enough and throws it tight enough that it's just right there. The DB is getting shielded, and it's six for a big play. That's the plays that that not a lot of quarterbacks in the league can make, and it's, it's not 12 in Green Bay yet, but – it's got some similarities at least that way versus, you know, a statue like Matt Ryan that we saw this past weekend. Right. And look, he's playing with the Greg Robinson who frankly last week was, was, was almost embarrassing for himself. You know, that that's the type of improvement he can look forward to. Well, the one thing that I would say too, and, and, you know, let's, let's dive into this and I think we can pivot to the draft after, but um, guys, your biggest surprises thus far this year, Kev, what do you got? Biggest surprise. Demarius Randall, not even close. One of my best friends is a Packers fan. He was laughing. He was like, I can't believe we even got anything for him. Now, mm. safety in college, right? Mm-hmm. Goes to corner for Green Goes Bay. Goes to corner, misused. And I know, I know a guy that's down in Tennessee right now, misused in Pittsburgh, has three Super Bowl rings. So schemes, scheme matters. And fit matters. But for me, Damaris Randall is the biggest surprise of the year. I was not expecting anything. EJ Gaines, Mitchell, we signed all these cornerbacks, right? We got all these guys in a defensive backfield. He was probably, and maybe it's because I was a little skewed because, like I said, one of my best friends is a Packers fan. He was like, this guy sucks. And this isn't a guy that doesn't know football. And he's been awesome. And on social media, he's making fun of the Cincinnati Bengals for hiring Hugh. So, by the way, he's my MVP. I saw that. That was great. Yeah. Classic. 
So, Barky. to me, biggest surprise of the year, Demarius Randall. Bargy. It's going to be a big name, but a big surprise is the production of Nick Chubb and his skill set. And I'll say that because, you know, we all know college and NFL, there's a huge speed difference. And he's not going to be a guy that's going to run a 4-3-5 or whatever at the combine. But he has that game speed, that breakaway speed where he can break off those 70, 80, 90 yard runs. He has, what, two or three of them this year. Um, and then also he was a guy that, let's be honest, we were all making fun of in the preseason on our, our group chats and everything with the way he was running timid, tiptoeing through up to the line, wasn't breaking outside hard on, on stretch plays. But he's really settled in. Now, obviously, there's been a factor of Carlos Hyde being traded and he's been thrust into this situation, but he is just embraced it and he, he he's got pop when he gets to the line of scrimmage when he tries to get into the second level he, he runs hard he's people are people are falling off his legs it's taken two or three to tackle him he's one of the one of the leaders in yards after contact for me it's him I, I mean there's definitely some truth to that what I would say is I watched Chubb prior to the knee injury we were in Vegas when he actually tore it against Tennessee I believe um, he never was the same at Georgia and particularly when you comp them versus, you know, Sony Michelle in, in college and you just you're just like, why isn't Michelle playing all the time? Now you're starting to maybe see a little bit why he has been a massive surprise to me. He ran better than than I think we we thought. And we talked that leading up to the draft. Um, he's been a massive surprise for, for the Browns draft wise. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't lie with that one. Um so I'm going to take the one that, that John Dorsey actually mentioned, uh, I think, in his presser yesterday. I was kind of pissed when I saw him throw it out there. <laughs> I, I'm going to say Larry o- Okunjobi. Um, he's been fantastic this year. Yeah. He, he's next to Garrett. He's he's maybe one or two bad games of, of you know that he's played thus far. His bad have just been average. But he's popped in a lot of the other ones. Um, so, you know, he's been a, a big, you know, blast of fresh air, particularly paired next to Garrett. Ogba's played well the last few games, which has been promising. The D-line has certainly not been a problem, although, you know, we've had a, a blip here or there, the Kansas City game, maybe Oakland, uh, but they also didn't call any holding calls in any of those games, so uh, the refs are doing us no favor. So I'm going to take Big Larry O with that one. Um, maybe on a negative note, real quick, guys, who's the biggest disappointment? Go ahead, yep. Kev. Um, I'll, I'll throw one out. Jamie Collins for me. Uh, I just don't see enough plays. I think it's inconsistent. Yeah. Um, I also didn't think Kirksey was terribly good. I thought Schobert came back, and I don't think it's a coincidence the defense looked out a lot better. Um, so I will say, I'll say specifically Jamie Collins for what he's getting paid. He and for his physical stature. He's too lazy sometimes to, to be pulling the shit that he's pulling, and he's too talented to be pulling that. So I'll I, I got to point the finger at, okay. at Jamie. Co- Collins, I think, is that's absolute no-brainer. So I'll agree with you. I'm going to say Najoku. Um, I think he should be, for his size, speed, skill set, he should be better. And, and plus again, how we're using him. Like, he – He's, that could he's, be true. We're trying to get the ball to him all the time, and he's not getting the ball, and he's not catching the ball sometimes. So yeah, it, it, like, I mean, it's not like he can blame it on you know things. Like he's been a focal point. I, I, I would tell you that anybody that's played tackle has not been good, but 
I don't really blame them because I didn't expect them to be good on based on their history, skill set, where we drafted them, undrafted free agent, blah, blah, blah. Joku's a first-round talent, and he's dropped way too many passes. He's Now, has he caught some balls? Absolutely. But, yeah, I expect you to do that. That's what I expect you to do. So, you know, it's the old adage when the uh, the um, DB gives the, you know, no completion sign. Well, hey, congrats. That's what you're supposed to do. Najoku has a few touchdowns. He has a few catches. But that's what you're supposed to do as a tight end. He's been very below average to me. Getting, you know, when we start talking draft, one of the guys that I love in the upcoming draft is that tight end out of Iowa. I think he's a game changer. Noah Fant. Uh, Noah Fant. And I'm just not, Najoku just doesn't, he's just, I don't know. I've, I guess I've expected way more out of him. I got one. Fargy, fire away. Okay. And this isn't, uh, this isn't a knock on this guy. This is almost just kind of a question mark in my mind. Why is uh, Austin Corbett? Because he was, he was the guy that I hit during the draft pod and they drafted yeah, him. Yeah, he's letting you down a little bit. You, you had the pick. You had, yeah, I, I, I did. You. I did. And uh, had a good morsel on him, though. I'll, I'll give you a okay, counter. Good, after you good. I'm looking forward to it because I, I guess my question is, is it a lack of improvement on his end or are they having trouble really finding a fit for him? And I don't see how they can't because I watch guys like, you know, I mentioned Greg Robinson have really shitty games and Harrison hasn't been that great either. So how can they not make some rotations? Well, is Corbett, is he a guard? Yeah, he, no, here's I'm the saying, thing. Corbett, the last... Here's Corbin. The last three weeks, they have moved him exclusively to center. He's going to be the long-term center. So, and it's been extraordinarily underreported. The Monday Night Man actually gave me this like three, four weeks ago, and it was after our pod, Kevin and I, and I did, and because I think we may have alluded to it a little bit, and we talked draft, and like we haven't seen anything, and he was like, "Hey, you know why? That's what they're doing." And the interior of their line really has not been the problem. Hubbard's not been at all. Okay. But the left tackle has been terrible, and then they've had at times where it feels like they've had the wrong personnel in, where they put a block, they don't put Fells in, they have Charles or they have Duvall in the game on a fourth and one. Like that's personnel things. That's Haley. That's Hugh Jackson. So hopefully we see some of that stuff clean up. I think if you saw an injury, particularly a Treader specifically, you'd see Corbett as that guy in. But I think they got to try and groom him for that. And I'm, I'm kind of fine with that because, I mean, the fact of the matter is Bentonio's an absolute man-child, so there's no spot there at left guard. Right. And right guard, Zeitler's been better as the seasons went along. So no, he has. I we think talked the to, jury's I, still out on Corbett. I just, it is a tough one because you're expecting to see someone, but I, I think it will be something that if, if he's not in that spot maybe next year and really pressing – for, for a role there. Um, but you know, at the same time, Baker's got a good rapport with Treader too. So you don't want to start throwing too many things into variables there with the quarterback. So I don't mind a veteran center for the time being, but it would be very curious in the offseason how that continues to evolve. Good point. What's odd to me is that we knew Joe Thomas was gone, right? <laughs> and you use that pick to not get a tackle. Like, you had Hubbard, whatever. Well, here's the thing. There was no tackles 
at that spot. You don't spot. think so? Colton Miller Why? went 20, Colton Miller went like 21 to Oakland and he sucks. Wow. And like they're just it was a goofy draft because it was guards, the Hernandez kid All from guards. the Giants. Like it was just like a well, ton that's of fair, big but, time but, guards. But then why take a guard? Well, I think you honestly, can get a guard they, later, right? They they thought Corbett could play tackle. I think it was I think it's a miss on Dorsey. I know, but I, listen, listen, it's hard for me. I, I fight my brother's a wide receiver. He played wide receiver in college. So he he was he loved Anthony Miller. He loved uh the kid from Denver, um uh, Chubb from SMU. From SMU. Oh, uh Sutton. Uh, yes. Well Sutton. Sutton. Sutton, Sutton would have been big time. Sutton would be perfect right now because right. So you pair him with Landry, a little bit of a glider. Oh, I mean, it would be perfect. Right, right. So I get it, hindsight. And 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 my, you know, my brother's not an idiot, but we sit there and we go, oh, we hit. Like I try and tell, well, we we hit home runs on three of the first four, and you know, it's hard to say. But I agree with him. Like it's kind of weird. Well, Sean, you you said it. He, I'll never get mad taking linemen unless they bust. Like, yeah, yeah I don't. And he's not a bust yet. yet. Right. So, right. right. It's I, fair. So it's right fair. now, we don't know if it's a single. He's probably still batting. So right. there's never there's right. no level of football that's more important for to have a good offensive line in the NFL. Period. And, and for a it's quarterback like Baker, I'll be honest with you. The guards and centers are more important than the tackles. It seems yes. crazy, but because of where he is mobility-wise, I think it's so important to keep that four yards in front of him pushed forward, and and he can craft and move around, and because he's always does that to find lanes and do things anyway. But and he anticipates throws, so they 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 can scheme and seem to do enough. Um, so. Uh, I, uh, but I think it's a worthy one to throw out there. We'll see as the season goes along, but I actually think it'll be more like next year at this time. Okay, we can emphatically say that, he, you know, very possibly he could be. But, you and, know, Gary's still out. And listen, you're not going to hit – when you have 12 picks, 8 picks, 7 picks, if you hit 50% of them, you've done a good job. So the reality is, is bitching about Corbett right now is really – Kind of very nitpicky when oh, you, I'm not bitching when about you, it. I just I no, not you. I'm not starter. saying you. I'm just saying in general. I, I, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm talking about any of us. Three, three home runs out of your first four, especially when you hit it at what? What did they? The GM says you got to have a guy that can throw it. Then you got a guy who can get to the guy that can throw it, right? Then you got a guy that's got to catch it. And then you got to get a guy that can protect a guy and throw it. Those are kind of the four things you need to be successful on foot in today's NFL. And, and if you can have a corner like Denzel Ward, it's quarterback, quarterback, left tackle, cornerback, uh, and defensive end. Those are the four, right? I don't, right. I don't mean what order. I mean, I think that's what I said. I, no, I wideout I, wasn't on it. Uh, but I would say oh, here. Here's no, no, no. where I'll I add did this. Read, I did read the other day that a guy said you got to have a guy that can catch it now. Well, Ray Farmer didn't think you ever needed wideouts because they only touched the ball five, six. Well, times if you're games. throwing it, let's let's be honest. If you're throwing <laughs> no, it forty times, you got to have people that can catch it. Right? Here's what I'll say: If you look at these teams, Michael Thomas, the Rams trio, 
Devonte Adams, you you in this day and age right now, and I think the Patriots. That's why they took the Josh Gordon gamble, even though Josh Gordon's a shell of himself, which is a different topic for a different day. Maybe yes. the, the fantasy pod, but um, you you you've got to have a couple guys on the outside that at least do some things quick twitch wise and that you can scheme and they can deliver to that scheme. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's the, the Browns are a couple pieces away from being super upper echelon in the AFC. And I think folks in the media are starting to kind of warm to it. We're going to get that San Francisco treatment next year, guys. I'm telling you, we're going to get a ton of Sunday night, Monday night games. I think it's just coming. Oh, agreed. hundred percent agreed. And we got, and on top of it, we have a personality. That's right. It's not just, it's not just a group of guys either. We've got personalities. Miles Garrett, if you put him on a camera, he's a personality. You might not agree with him. He's a little quirky, but Landry personality. uh, And obviously Baker's a personality. So on top of the talent, We've got guys that our people are interested in seeing, which is, hey, listen, 1999, we've never had this, right? I mean, it's... No, even when we made the playoffs, we ended up cutting our whole linebackers and had to rebuild with Ben Taylor and a bunch of stiff linebackers, and that was at an era where where that position was particularly important. So, okay, let's. we're about a half-hour mark. We're going to try and keep this tight. Farky, mm-hmm. what are you looking for the next four weeks before we reset with uh, another State of the Union um, with the Browns? Baker doesn't concern me, so I'm going to stay away from all of that. I'd, I'd like to see some consistency with the offensive line, um, You know, take away some of that pressure I mentioned earlier, and I'd like to see us go – I mean, it, we have to go 2-2. Two and two. I would love to see us go 3-1. and one. I don't see us beating the Panthers – but the Broncos and Bengals, I think, are both wins. And then I think we have our hands full at Houston. So that that would be as far as win-losses go. Kev, what's your thoughts? I want to see – well, Jason kind of nailed what I would say. I, you know, draft position is irrelevant to me right now. I think I've always thought that winning's contagious and winning and knowing how to win matters. And I really believe that we have a guy that's leading us that can teach us how to do that going into next year. And the San Francisco thing, what did they go five and one down the stretch after they traded for Garoppolo last year? Yeah. I think that's, I'm, I'm not asking for five and one. I'm asking for a guy that gets us in every game and teaches us and learns, you know, we learn how we learn how to be there. We were in every game, and we had an asshole in, in charge, right, who there was always an excuse. Baker Mayfield doesn't make excuses, and I'm curious on how we compete against some high-level teams, like you said, Houston, Carolina, Cincy. We, we can say they're declining, whatever. They're still in a playoff hunt. Like, these games are going to matter to those teams, so I'm not looking so much more. I, I, I can't specifically say the development of a single player. I'm talking about an attitude within the organization of figuring out how to compete on a week-to-week basis is what I'm looking forward to. 
Yeah, I think I think for me it's finish. They got to find a way to, to to finish some of these these games, similar to what you said last year. And I think they've got all the pieces. It's progress. Stay healthy enough so that you get the reps, and and that you know, you get a guy like a Higgins and he's Landry Rad. And and then see and maybe kind of develop a little bit more of a, you know continue that with Duke and Chubb and get those kind of weapons ironed out as you head into the off season so that you're going to pluck in a guy or pluck in another guy and then you're kind of you know where the Bears are now right now from from an offensive you know output perspective and then you've got enough on defense that you just you got to find ways to build some depth but they got five in the top hundred draft pick wise. They're set up for that as long as Dorsey takes care of business and doesn't get too cute. I think you just try and kind of see how the team plays now in cold weather and you assess the roster as it kind of continues to develop. So I think for me, it's all about finishing and and looking at these next four games and not specifically looking at wins and losses, but damn it, if they're close, find a way to win a couple of them. And I think that would be heavy progress. You know, I think three and one's ambitious. Two and two might be ambitious. But we also didn't expect to beat Baltimore. We didn't expect to fire two coaches. We didn't expect to shit the bed. Well, maybe we did against Kansas City. We certainly didn't expect to come back and win against Atlanta. So Ty Pittsburgh. To tie Pittsburgh at the beginning, yeah, all of those things. So I, I think we just got to find ways to, to build on some of the right things, but keep guys healthy and play 15, 16 games. Garrett, play the games. Like, I want to see these guys play whole seasons because I do agree with Jarvis from, from Hard Knocks. That shit breeds itself. It can either breed it positively or negatively. And what's it going to be, Browns? And, and that, that's how I would look at the next four games and really the next, you know, seven games. And one last Kansas comment City. for me. One last comment, real quick, for me that I, just related Antonio Callaway. I'd really love to see him start to catch the ball consistently because, damn it, when that when that kid catches the ball, just even if he runs for two or three yards after the catch, he there's just an explosiveness about him and just a playmaking ability about him. You know what he makes me reminds me of somebody that you know can't make it on the outside. Like he has to have football. He'll never make it outside of football. Yeah. And it's like. Just come on, man. Just come along for the ride. Just just do the right thing. Yeah. And come and, along and, you know, for it's the interesting. Ride. That, that's a great guy to bring up because I think we're kind of searching a little bit. And it's not that he's been disappointing, but, like, don't hit the Ricky, rookie wall now. How about this? Antonio, why don't you bust out the last five, six games? How about that? How about you pull an initial Josh Gordon for the last five or six games? It might not be the best thing because then he's going to go into the offseason and pull a Josh Gordon. But, like – why don't you focus on trying to do that and just show us something there? Because otherwise I don't know that I don't just see a, a fourth wide receiver. That's a little gimmicky. Like that's my concern with him is prove me wrong. Yep. Well, I, right. my last, my last comment on that is I, you see, you know, there's always a glimmer of hope. Whenever you have a glimmer of hope, like for me, that run with Chubb where he pointed and was like, Hey man, yes. go that yeah. way. Cause I'm going to nail this guy this way. Agree. Like to me, that was one of the, that like, it gives me chills thinking about it because that's a teammate. Like, Hey man, I'm good with whatever. That, to that's make someone us understanding the situation. Will, right. Yes. So, so if you understand that, in the game speed, 
how do you not understand that you can't drive 110 miles an hour with weed in your car? That's or it. whatever he did. Like, that's what's mind-boggling to me. Like, in a game, he can figure this out, but he can't figure out, hey, man, I'm getting this car imported and there's drugs in the car. My my buddies are gangbanging. Like, I'm, I'm hoping he figures it out. That's all I can say because, my God, talent-wise, think about that catch against New Orleans, right? Think about that play against Kansas City. Like, that's what you hold on to, right? You go, oh, my God. There's a guy who can outrun people. And by the way, New Orleans DBs, not that bad, right? He's outrunning them, fingertip catch, tying the game or whatever he did. I don't even remember. Didn't we? Was it tie game and then we missed it? No, no, we could have won it with the extra point. That's right. Right, right. Okay. And then he does that. And then you think about the stupid shit he does off the field and you're like, how is this the same person? You know, but that I'm holding on to the fact that that guy can be that, I guess, at this point. And hoping Farky. that Landry and Mayfield can get him there. Farky, last thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm back to where I was before the season started. And you know what? It's refreshing because I didn't think once we saw the first, I guess, third of the season play out that I felt like I was going to get to be here again before next year. Cause of course we're always there before the season starts, but um, I'm very, very pleased with where we are today as a Browns fan. So I have a ticket at five. I was praying for a push two weeks ago. Now I'm thinking, okay, we got Cincy twice. We got Denver, you know, we got a couple games up in Cleveland. that could get nasty uh, where teams aren't going to want to be playing up there. Maybe still has a shot to get to six. So, We'll see what plays out. That tie could be could be looming for me. But um, what's the juice? Uh, I have to look at the ticket. I also had I had Florida State. I it was all of that from a Vegas trip. So I, I got like <laughs> six of them. I got them. I got the Michigan one. That uh, yeah, I, I got, got Michigan too. I got, oh, I got 200, Michigan. I, got 200, I, I got a two hundred dollar ticket to cash for Jake that I'm sure I'm not going to get paid for. <laughs> Uh, you gotta you gotta catch him right now. Actually, you should have caught him right after the Atlanta game, like when he was positive and happy. Um, all right. So for Kev, Sharky, we're, we're signing off today. This is the state of the Browns. Try to keep it tight. Try to keep it clean for for the Monday night man. Hopefully, he throws something out sometime soon so we can get his clean takes. Uh, but until the next time, guys. Thanks for joining and uh, go Browns. Go Browns. Good night, fellas. Thanks, guys.